Miriam Grossman, MD, is the author of the book Lost in Translation, A Child Psychiatrist Guide Out of the Madness. Let's start the year right by fighting gender ideology. Welcome to the Jay Aruga Show! Kamusta? Welcome to the Jay Show, the first conservative podcast in the Philippines where we help you defend life, marriage, and the family in this crazy world that we're living in. Our next guest is board certified in psychiatry and in the subspecialty of child and adolescent psychiatry. She's the author of many books including Unprotected, You're Teaching My Child What, and her latest, the one that we'll talk about, Lost in Translation. A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. You might be familiar with her from the hit Daily Wire documentary, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh. She's one of the doctors in the side of sanity. I'm happy to introduce Miriam Grossman, MD. How are you doing, Dr. Grossman? I'm doing great, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. How's everything right now on your side of the planet? Oh, I think the entire planet is uh, enveloped in satanic evil. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, thanks for accepting my invite. <laughs> Be- before we proceed to discussing this dangerous ideology that's poisoning the West and it's creeping in worldwide, We'd like to know more about you, Dr. Grossman. What's your background and what made you take up this fight against trans ideology? Well, like you said, I'm a psychiatrist and I specialize in children and and adolescents. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing kids and families for many, many years. Um, the way that I became aware of the dangers of transgender ideology was years ago when I was studying sex education. Mm-hmm. And the, I was doing that because so many of my patients um, had sexually transmitted infections. They were college students. Mm. I was working for many years at a university called UCLA in Los Angeles, California. Mm. And many of the patients that I saw there had sexually transmitted infections. So I began to study what kids are being told about sexuality and about keeping themselves healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's where I came across what young people were being told about being male or female and that um, it's, it's a falsehood to divide humanity into male and female, just two options. Uh-huh. Kids were told that there is such a thing as um, a, a, so to speak, psychological sex called gender, which is completely mm-hmm. from physical male and female, and that um, your identity, your gender overrides your physical reality. And so 
I recognized that at once as being a dangerous idea, a dangerous belief that is not founded in science or medicine. Mm. And uh, I warned parents about this ideology in a book that I wrote in 2009. And as you said in your introduction, the name of that book is You're Teaching My Child What? <laughs> and in Retitle. fact, it just, yeah, it just came out in, in paperback. One second. Okay, no problem. Yeah, I, I know that you didn't want to focus All on right. this. Yeah, yeah, book, that's right. Yeah, so that book is about sex education. And then I started to explore gender ideology, where it came from, um, and I ended up um, focusing my practice uh, on helping these kids that are confused about being boys or girls and helping their parents to navigate this uh this mm. what is sometimes what is sometimes a, a catastrophe within the family mm. and then i wrote the book um lost in Transnation, which you say that you have read yes i did i did i love the book which we'll talk about as much as we can uh, a bit in a bit yes i finished the book i, I honestly i i just listened to the audio which is read by you the audio book She's also yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> I I um I didn't think I was gonna do it, but my followers on Twitter all were telling me that I should do it. So mm. I narrated the book and you if you listen to it, <laughs> yeah. I really I got into it. I really was into it. Yes, yes. Uh, I just want to ask, how were you since What is a Woman? Because in What is a Woman, the people Matt Walsh talked to we're not introduced to be on this side or the other side. So I have to be honest, I don't know which side you were on when he talked to you. And you just need to hear what he or she has to say. So how, how was it? How was that experience? That was a great experience. And I'm very, very grateful to Matt Walsh for including me in that mm -hmm. documentary. Um, I didn't know who else he was interviewing. Mm -hmm. He just, he, he, they emailed me and they came in and, you know, we talked for a few hours. And mm -hmm. I guess one of the things that I said in that documentary that everyone got so excited about is that he asked me, well, it sounds like you're saying that if a man identifies as a woman, that doesn't really make him a woman. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and we'll talk more about that. As I mentioned, I love the book, Dr. Grossman. You're a great writer. And forgive me for thinking at first that the book will read like a technical journal coming into the book. But I was wrong. I, it's complete with details and it is well written. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. I, I wrote for regular moms and dads. Yes. I didn't anyone you know with a phd or mm -hmm. it's just for regular people who have families and they want to protect their children how did the book come to be was it, was the zoom meeting that you mentioned in the book the the genesis of this book uh, can you can you t tell the people about it? well 
the the meeting that you're talking about is the one that I had with parents. Yes. Um, I had a few Zoom meetings with parents of transgender identifying children, and that was extremely um, mm-hmm. difficult because what the parents go through is devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, the parents have been abandoned by so many institutions and just so many people, including my own profession, the mental health profession. Mm-hmm. These parents are traumatized. Um, they are. Uh, they have so many losses that they've gone through in terms of their child uh, having this a, a new identity and rejecting their biology. The family is sometimes destroyed. The marriage is sometimes destroyed. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wrote a chapter in the book called Mourning the Living. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what these parents are doing. They are, they have grief over the loss of somebody that's still very much alive. Mm-hmm. So it's a complicated thing. And I felt that that chapter had to be included. I had to include the mm-hmm. parents. But no, that was not the reason for the book. Mm-hmm. The reason for the book is because all the families that were turning to me were saying that they were just blindsided. They mm-hmm. they didn't expect they didn't expect anything like this to happen. And that when it did happen, when their child came and um, uh, announced a new identity and requested a new name and pronouns, the parents were just lost. Mm. And um, when they would turn to a therapist, usually the therapist would just say, well, you have to, your child knows who they are and you have to go with it. And if you don't go along with it, well, you know, your child mm. is at risk for suicide. And so the parents are just in an impossible position, mm-hmm. um, and they and they didn't have anyone to turn to. So I I feel that it's it's so important for parents to understand that there are uh, therapists and doctors like myself who are based in reality mm-hmm. and who reject the idea that a child, a teenager, um, should you know just mm-hmm out of the blue um, with many other comorbid mental health issues um, that the adults are doing a favor, a kindness to that child by um, endorsing and affirming the new identity. I I do not think it's a kindness Mm -hmm. in the long run. In the short Mm -hmm. run, it it makes the child happy. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, it certainly, there's no guarantees whatsoever that this child is going to be happy in the long run. I like that there's the focus on the parents uh, in this book because often neglected are the families, the parents of these children, and they're suffering. I There's a heartbreaking part in the book when the parents listed trigger moments for their sadness of having a child that transitioned and some yeah. have, some have written an old mail with the uh, the old name of the child uh, a letter some yeah. said seeing their daughter walk with a beard 
or even baby clothing is triggering. And to a point, one said that the appropriate term is trauma-induced terror moment. So that's right. Th- that's a really uh, heartbreaking part of the book. Dr. Grossman, the first chapter of your book, and I'm not sure if you're already tired of discussing this, this disturbed man. Uh, you've talked about him many times. He's John Money. I've read John Money in other books, but I find your book to be to be more detailed when it comes to discussing John Money. I, I didn't know that there was a pushback a bit on John Money. And we're seeing the same thing right now. There's a bit of gaslighting on people who are pushing back on gender ideology. Uh, for the sake of the audience who don't know John Money, could you tell us about him? Yeah, well, we could be here hours talking about <laughs> John. But, you know, for your audience to understand, you see, it's it's very important to, to know where this idea came from. The idea that is, you know, the the foundation of gender ideology, which is that we have a separate identity apart from our biology, apart from what our body says that we mm. are, that we have a mental or psychological sex. Mm. And that's what John Money called gender. Mm. And you know, he developed this idea of gender identity. And he said that we are all born gender neutral. Mm. And that we that any of us could eventually end up identifying as either male or female. Mm. It all depends on our environment and what kind of toys we're given, and what our parents expect of us. And so he said that it was a social construct, mm. that that male and female were social constructs, okay? Mm. Um, and he conducted an experiment on a family that came to him, the Reamer family, mm. and they came to him because they had twin boys mm. who, when the boys were being circumcised at the age of eight months, um, there was a, a malfunction of the machinery, and one of the boys had his penis that was burnt off. Mm. And so they had one twin who was normal and healthy. The other twin was born normal and healthy, but he now had had his penis burnt mm-hmm. off. He essentially had no no. And so these people ended up turning to John Money because he became known in the culture as uh, the person who was the expert on what to do with these kids um, that were either born with some sort of chromosome or medical problem or they had an accident like the Reamer twin did. And he was saying, raise these boys as girls. Just go Mm. ahead. Um, If you can do it early enough before the age of three, he said, um, castrate castrate the boy um, and raise him as a girl with a girl's name and girl's pronouns and toys and everything Mm. else. 
So it's it's a long story. Mm, as yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, what happened just to make it, you know, clear to your audience in a few sentences. Mm. This boy, originally Bruce, was raised as a girl. He was called Brenda. Uh-huh. He was never, he was not told about his history, and his twin was also not told. And they were raised. This was they were born in the like in the late sixties. Uh-huh. So they were raised um, as a boy and a girl separately. And mm. they they reported back to Dr. Money uh, every so often. Dr. Money saw them in his office at Johns Hopkins, which is in Baltimore. I don't know if your your listeners are aware, but mm. it's quite a distance from where this family lived in uh, in Winnipeg, uh, Canada. But the family would travel down every year to see John Money. And John Money, when the twins were six, he reported that the experiment was a complete success. He reported that Brenda uh, was thriving Mm. as a girl, that she was doing very well, that maybe she was a bit of a a tomboy, Mm. uh, but overall she was identifying as a girl, comfortable as a girl and doing well. And he began, he, he got a tremendous amount of attention and fame uh, from this experiment. He wrote about it uh, in many different places uh, and both in the medical and psychological uh, field and also outside, you know, in, in just the, the regular lay literature in the mm-hmm. culture. Um, and this was a very remarkable piece of information to a, you can imagine that uh, that a boy could be raised as a girl. And it, the assumption was made vice versa, of course, more complicated. But the assumption was made that we are born gender neutral and mm. that our masculinity and femininity is is something that is socially uh, put on us by society. So that was a very big deal. Now, unfortunately, the truth is that Brenda was not doing well. Uh. Um, she was suffering a great deal. She she did not feel comfortable as a girl. She didn't know what was wrong with her, but she preferred mm. her brother's toys. She was extremely aggressive. She tore off her dresses. Um, oh. She was interested in she would urinate standing up. Mm. She was interested in, in you know, everything that her, her father was into, not her mother. Um, she, w- she did not make friends. She was made fun of. She was mocked mm. for the very masculine way that she behaved. Oh. Um, people called her cave woman. She mm. wanted to be a car mechanic. Uh, yeah. To make a long story short, I'm not making it that short, <laughs> but um, she became suicidal when she entered uh, puberty. John Money was was uh, putting tremendous pressure on Brenda to 
undergo surgery and have a vagina constructed. And mm. she would hear nothing about it. She became suicidal. She was also attracted to girls, uh, which was terrifically difficult for her. And in the end, her parents did end up telling her the truth. Mm. When she learned the truth, uh, she was tremendously relieved. Uh, she went. She immediately went to living as a boy. She picked the name David uh, because she felt that, like David, like the biblical David, she had been fighting a huge Goliath in her life. Mm. Now, you know, she went through surgeries. She lived as a man. She married. Well, he, David, married a woman with and adopted the woman's children. But eventually, unfortunately, he committed suicide. His brother died of a drug overdose. Now, the parents held John Money responsible for the death of the twins. Mm. Um, aside from experimenting on them and... Aside from that, he had been sexually abusing the twins every time that they came down to see him every year. Ouch. So John Money was a bad person. John Money was was a wicked person. And he never, the thing is, Jay, he never publicly announced that the experiment was a failure. Even he knew because... Uh, David's mother wrote to John Money and mm. told him that Brenda was no longer Brenda. Brenda went, was living as a, was a boy. And yet he never, John Money never went back and said to the medical community, the mental health community, and he never said, you know what? Actually, this was not a success. Mm. I guess that, you know, what I, there was more going on before David was born that determined his masculinity and his identity as a boy. We are not born gender neutral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed that I mentioned already is the gaslighting happening in John Money's time. Uh, he's being hailed as a breakthrough doctor that time. But there were dissenters already in his time, just like there what's were. happening Today, do do gender studies uh, at least acknowledge the contribution of John Money, Money uh, who who they're attributing their gender theory to? At least the modern gender studies course. Well, I I'm no expert in gender studies. Mm -hmm. um, I have never seen anything, you know, coming mm -hmm. out of those organizations or those institutions who. Um, put him on a pedestal, uh, they describe him as a pioneer, as, you know, a brilliant contributor. They'll say that he was a controversial figure. Oh, and by the way, he supported mm. pedophilia and he supported incest. Um, so he, he was really about destroying uh, Judeo-Christian values mm. in our society. Um, gender was just one way in which he was seeking to do that. Uh, so the answer to your question, I believe, 
is no. I believe mm-hmm. that he might be wrong. If one of your listeners has other information, please do email me. Mm-hmm. Miriam Grossman, MD, uh, dot com. You can mm-hmm. email me. Okay. But as far as I know, still held up as a yeah as a pioneer. He's he's buried. <laughs> the, the this tragedy is buried. I guess. Uh, Dr. Grossman, with the little time that we have, I really want to squeeze in this one topic about the DSM-5 because I was talking to a psychologist friend once debating womanhood and she, at some point, she brought up the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder or the DSM-5 and she told me that gender identity disorder is no longer classified as a disorder. So it's now gender dysphoria. So what's the story behind this change? How did the American Psychological Association deliberate this matter? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain that, but I like to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. And just going back to John Money and the twins, mm-hmm. I wanna tell your audience about the book um, As Nature Made Him, mm-hmm. the boy that was raised as a girl by John Colapinto, because that's where I learned almost everything about mm. this story. Okay. That book came out in 1999, uh-huh. okay, which is when um, David stepped out of the, you know, the background and mm. came out with his story. But now the DSM, yeah, the DSM yeah. is a manual of uh, mental disorders that we use to diagnose people mm. and it describes the different uh, uh, mental disorders or conditions um, and every so often every 15 years or so it's revised mm-hmm. so um, it used to be that the DSM always uh, well since 1980 from 1980 until 2013 the DSM considered um, people who have a um, uh, uh, a feeling of uh, mis of mismatch, mm-hmm. like as if their their bodies are wrong and they are internally they feel that they are the opposite sex and they are. Um, they like to dress as the opposite sex. They feel more comfortable. They internally feel uh, uh, that they can relate more to these sort of stereotypical uh, interests and behaviors of the opposite sex. So we always call that in the DSM gender identity disorder. Mm. Uh, mm. But you see, society and culture really changed as I explain in the book. And so by the time uh, the American Psychiatric Association was planning its new, its revision of the DSM, um, a decision was made by a small work group to change the name of that and to no longer call it a disorder, but to call it gender dysphoria, which simply means, dysphoria means unhappiness or just a sense of discomfort, but it would no longer be called a disorder. Uh And as I explain in the book, 
a lot of the the reason for that change was because um, a there were activists, gender transgender activists, who uh, who were were who were very who who believe and still of course believe that this condition is a, is represents just a variant of normal development so you have certain people in the in the population who are happy with the bodies they were born in you have other people who are unhappy and they wish to ch- modify and change their bodies and those are both normal variants so they they felt that it's extremely stigmatizing mm-hmm. to the transgender identified individual to call what they are going through a disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists had compassion on their patients and they wanted to make their lives easier because I'm sure. I mean, it, 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 mm. it's a devastating thing. I, I don't mean to minimize yeah. how difficult it must be for people yeah. who have this condition. Um, so the decision was made based both on wanting to decrease the stigma and out of a concern, a compassionate concern for people. And there were a lot of a lot of opinions that the um, conditions should be completely removed from the DSM. It shouldn't even be included. Mm-hmm. The problem, the problem with that, would have been that there would be no code uh, in order to uh, get reimbursed for the psychological and medical mm-hmm. uh, treatments that some people need. Mm-hmm. So, if it was completely removed from the DSM and no longer listed as as a condition, how do you get reimbursed? Mm-hmm. So all those things together led this committee or work group um, to make this decision. There was no uh, voting, you know, of all the psychiatrists and psychologists. There was no open debate about it. And so here we are being told that it is not any kind of an emotional disorder if you know a girl has mm. such ha- hatred for her body that she wants her breast removed that she wants you know to have a false penis made a, a man that wants his genitals to be removed who wants to be castrated um in my opinion and in the opinion of many many doctors that that would be a mental disorder. Dr. Grossman, we, we only have so much time. Uh, I just want to tell the audience to grab a copy of your book for more details on everything we talked about. One of the highlights, yeah, one of the highlights of the book for me is Chapter 7. I love the dialogue between the father and a trans youth and, and the gender clinic personnel. And this is a good starting point for a parent dealing with the forces surrounding their children. Also, chapter 13 has an excellent conversation between a mother and a daughter. Uh, I really want to emphasize this is a practical book. 
-hmm. It is not just something that's, you know, an academic, not at all. It has a lot of research in it, but it is practical. And I want parents, not only parents who have kids who are confused about who they are, but parents whose kids are small and they want to understand and protect their child from the ideology. They, they're, those parents primarily should mm -hmm. be reading the book and getting ahead of it, yes. getting ahead of this issue before it comes into their home. Yes, yes. Uh, just for closing, how do we deal with a loved one who is experiencing gender dysphoria? Because the other extreme is to totally disregard their struggles. And you mentioned in What is a Woman that the struggle is indeed real for people with gender dysphoria. Of course, the struggle is very real. And there's, you know, kids need their parents very, very much, you know, in within this struggle. That does not mean you have to agree with them. Mm. You, you, what you need to do is to be present, to not react with, um, you know, in ways that you might regret later on, to mm. not react uh, with anger. I mean, it's not an easy thing, but to react, trying to understand and asking a lot of questions, you know, letting your child talk, explain it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say, I, I'm, I, I'm not an expert in this. I have to learn. Could you, you know, tell me how did you learn? How does this feel? What do you mean when you use these certain phrases and certain words? I want to understand this. I'm going to... Um, I'm an expert in, not in this, but I'm an expert in loving you. Nice. I love you so much. And I'm going to become an expert. I am going to go and talk to people and go online and learn as much as I can. Um, and I have all sorts of resources, by the way, on my website. Mm -hmm. But you have to be grounded in reality. It's a parent's job. It's an adult's job to represent reality. If your child is going in the direction of a new identity, you have to understand there's a reason behind it. It may be because they're having issues, emotional issues. Maybe they are depressed or anxious or don't like themselves. They're afraid of growing up. Maybe they're having trouble at school, you know, being, finding mm -hmm. friends, fitting in with a peer group. It could be all sorts of things that are going on. And, and part of this is figuring out why. Why does a child feel that they need a new identity? Dr. Grossman, thanks for your time and for the work that you do. For a long time, this ideology is fought by non-doctors or commentators like in the Daily Wire. And many doctors with the credentials are silent. And you have been fighting for a long time as well on this and is willing to put everything on the line. And I honor that, Dr. Grossman. I, I pray for doctors like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm always, I always appreciate prayers. And um, I do feel that they make a difference. Yes. And, and to everyone listening... Grab Dr. Grossman's book, Lost in Translation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. There's a lot to, to learn in the book. There are a lot of terms I learned. The Castro Consensus, 
the Stroop effect and what happened in the Tavistock clinic. So grab the book. Uh, aside from the book, anything else you'd like to promote, uh, Dr. Grossman? Maybe your page or your social media? Well, I think my website really has a lot of uh, videos, articles you can read. Um, uh, it has resources for parents to go to. So again, it's miriamgrossmanmd.com. Um, I also testified in Congress mm. uh, earlier this year on this issue. Nice. Um, and that's, that's only five minutes, mm. but I think that is worth listening to as well. Um, I think watching What is a Woman yes. uh, is certainly worthwhile. Mm. And um, parents have to know about this stuff before. Yes. Afterwards, it's ten. It's so much harder afterwards. Yep. All right. Thank you, Dr. Grossman. This has been another episode of the Jay Aruga Show. At the end of the day, it will be night. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>